Welcome to TechSuite, your go-to source for the latest legal updates on the fastest moving sector, brought to you by Minter Ellison Rudwatts. So welcome back to our interview with Matt Ensor of Frankly AI. I'm your host, Tom Marsland, a partner in our technology team. In our previous podcast, we covered a range of topics on AI, and in particular, generative AI. We pick up our conversation again now with Matt, exploring this fascinating area that is set to transform our society. ChatGPT was released publicly in November 2022 as version 3.5. Obviously, there are a lot of versions that came before. Um, but when I heard the podcast with OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, he said he was releasing it then, warts and all. Basically, on the basis it was buggy, he wanted it to be prone to be seen by the public as having errors. Um, so people could not only see the benefits in its future applications, but also see its flaws. Um, what are some of the flaws in this type of technology that people should be aware of? Yeah, so I mean, hallucinations is the most common flaw that people uh, mm-hmm. mention, and this is just due to the fact that it is statistical. Uh, and so, you know, I asked it who the chief executive of Vector was. Uh, it gave me uh, the wrong person's name, but very confidently. Mm. Uh, now, the hallucinations have reduced over time, um, and different models have different levels of, of hallucinations. So GPT-4 uh, has managed to you know, get on top of that, uh, that problem. But one of the other things, mm. uh, you know, we, um, and it's probably relevant to this podcast, you know, I tested uh, GPT-4 on legal review. Right, um, and uh, I just put a common uh, contract in that we used, asked it to to um, tell me what I should look out for, uh, and I thought it did really well. Uh, and then I asked it again, and it came up with different. Things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so this whole idea that it is, it's not deterministic. It's not going to say the same thing every time. Mm. Uh, you just need to be uh, be be, be re- really aware of that. I think uh, it, it depends what field that you're in. I write a lot of blog blogs mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, it's great for me because I go into uh, mid-journey, which is a generative yep. AI for images, and create an image, and I can be quite sure I'm not going to get you know done for copyright uh, now. But who knows where it's got those those images from? So you do have to be a little bit careful, I think, of uh, assuming that everything that comes out of generative AI uh, isn't a close match to something that is um, you know protected. Uh, IP. You mentioned a couple of competitors. Bard was one of them, uh, which is a Google product. Um, my understanding is that China has banned ChatGPT, uh, but has a multitude of its own products that are in development there. What do you know of China's development? I think, uh, well, China's a case in point, uh, but I think what we're seeing is a trend uh, towards uh, countries wanting to create their own large language models. Uh, and this comes down to, um, you know, OpenAI, they're an American, they're an American firm, mm. uh, and their large language model does have that sort of bias towards an American, uh, American view of the world. Um, so in China, I don't know them well, uh, things like Ali Mi, mm-hmm. uh, Wen Xin, things like that, um, they are being trained particularly on the, you know, the Chinese, um, Chinese view of the world. I think uh, there's, I've heard many calls that New Zealand uh, should be putting together their own large language model. Uh, simply because of the you know the uniqueness of our um, our history, um, uh, uh, Te Maori, mm. uh, and all those kind of things. Uh, if we don't, uh, then all of those things will kind of be Americanized uh, and become quite uh, perhaps a bit more vanilla uh, than we'd like. So I think the future mm. is um, yeah, you know, OpenAI certainly have a lead at the moment, but uh, I don't think they're planning on you know creating distinct models for. Uh, cultures or, or nations at the moment. 
It's interesting you talk there about New Zealand creating its own large language model. I would assume if you do not have a large language model operating, that does take into account your own country, people, circumstance, and it is just not applied, then bias could ultimately come into the output. We often put a prompt in saying, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, pretend you're in Australia and New Zealand, um, so that the answers that we get are, um, are related to um, you know codes and things that are important uh, important to us. I I, um, I once did a, uh, a presentation that was only a week or so ago, uh, and I got uh, frankly to uh, write uh, a thanks to the MC, mm-hmm. uh, and I said you know make it make it sound like the MC's great and you know some great things, <laughs> and so it popped, it popped out and uh, it was quite it was quite exuberant, mm-hmm. you know and. Uh, I asked frankly, I said, look, is this, um, is this going to be appropriate for a New Zealand audience? Uh, and it came back saying, actually, no, it's probably a bit over the top for a New Zealand audience. Um, you know, it should be a little bit more humble. So Interesting. So it certainly picked up, you know, cultural things. So I said, well, can you please rewrite it for a New Zealand audience? And it came out just perfect. China has banned ChatGPT. Uh, some organisations have banned ChatGPT and are banning other forms of generative AI. Can you just give your view, Matt, as to why you think this is coming up? What what are people concerned about? Yeah, so some of it, and, and I would add, you know, uh, some schools have banned uh, mm-hmm. generative AI, which I think is even more um, more disturbing. Uh, it just comes down to, I guess, uncertainty uh, around how our existing uh, economic, educational, business frameworks, governance frameworks will will be affected uh, by. Uh, ChatGPT uh, and things like that. There's a fear that um, you know jobs will be uh, eliminated, mm. um, and you know that uh, organisations might lose their um, global dominance simply because it's really easy to mimic them uh, using generative AI. I, th- I think that the, the at the moment, and, and, and to be frank, you can read new research every day. Mm. Um, but what we're finding is that there's a certain uh, humanity about employment. There are certain things and jobs uh, that you still need to have, you know, even if it's the ability to move around mm. uh, and build relationships, um, that large language models will, will, will struggle to uh, eliminate. I've seen um, uh, uh, research sort of anywhere between 10 to 70 percent of jobs can be um, uh, done by uh, generative AI, mm. but actually that last 30 percent, no, it's, it's, it's quite human. So I, I think. I think, yeah, I'm not sure that that banning is the right uh, the right idea. I'd like my kids to actually become experts in generative AI. I think that'll really help them in their in their lives and their and their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that they have been taught that uh, ChatGPT is cheating, uh, whereas my staff at, at Frankly AI, you know, we don't get called cheats when we use generative AI. We get called very um, positive terms around productivity <laughs> and, and things like that. So I think it is a it, it's a temporary um, it's a temporary uh, uh, issue. Mm. Uh, but having said that, there will be some people I think who will be permanently against um, against AI simply either through it being a threat or just um, through them valuing um, you know humanness uh, uh, in human society. It's interesting, isn't it, when you think about the um the use of artificial intelligence like ChatGPT in the educational sector, and if people are using it to write their essays, then uh, they are not coming up with their own individual thought and just using 
artificial intelligence to generate it. Do you have a view on, I mean, just picking up on that one topic there, that is my understanding of why schools, universities yeah. would be banning it. But yeah. do you see a, an ability to both harness the good in it, but also protect the fact that we do actually want our students and, and university out, um, university graduates to be individual thinkers themselves? I mean, I, I'm uh, obviously on one side of the fence, uh, and, and I certainly remember writing essays at high school. Uh, well, actually, I can't even remember any essay I wrote at high school, so it shows you know, how, how useful that was. Mm. Uh, but the idea of, of how people learn uh, is important. Uh, and so for some people, that's through you know, researching mm. uh, and, and writing this essay. I, I think the benefit of large language models in education is that you can have um, quite individualized learning. So if I really want to learn about dinosaurs, mm. the person next to me really wants to learn about fairies mm. uh, and the history of fairies, uh, then we can both do that. Mm. Uh, and I, I, it doesn't do away with the need for... Um, uh, teachers uh, and you know, there's a lot of people sitting in front of the screen the whole day mm. um, but it's just a different different way of learning and I've seen some really good uh, work this is coming out of the US um, where they've redesigned their curriculum mm-hmm. uh, uh, to to basically make it very transparent where people are using generative AI yep. and so how they can use it to get uh, to get better results. One of the points raised in the educational sector around the reason why generative AI perhaps is concerning is because it doesn't tell you where it got the information from. It's just creating it from its own large language model, obviously, or from the data it's been taught on, um, but there's no source associated with it. The evolution of large language models is that they're working with other uh, AI that, that can that can look up the information and find the references. Mm. Uh, so from my understanding of large language models, it couldn't tell you where it got the information from. Mm. Uh, but it can go to, and I think Microsoft are doing this with Bing, mm-hmm. uh, Bing Search, as uh, it can go away and find you those um, uh, those references. I, I mean, I think I mean a big part of the education system should be, you know, how do you how do you verify yeah. uh, information that has been produced by AI? Because it's not just a challenge uh, at school; it's a challenge in everyday life. Uh, you know, how do you know a new story uh, is actually fact or it's just been um, generated somewhere? That that's absolutely I 100% agree with that. It is the the point you raised about uh, generating citations is obviously the one for those listening, um, and and this is going out in in July in 2023. Uh, there was the court case in the US where uh, the lawyer turned up with case citations had got those generated by ChatGPT, had even asked ChatGPT to verify that those citations were correct, which it said it was, and he didn't bother to check them and. Um, the rest, as they say, is embarrassing history for him. You mentioned the black box before, and this is something that is obviously often raised as an issue. How concerned should we be about this black box, the fact that we don't really know how it's come up with its... The fact that it's a black box is, is just reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, what we've done, actually, as part of the, the mission of Frankly is... Um, Frankly, AI, we've, we've put in what's called guardrails. Mm-hmm. And what these guardrails do is they just stop you using generative AI for, for certain use cases. So we've, uh, for example, blocked uh, legal advice you're happy to hear, <laughs> uh, medical advice uh, and design advice. So we don't want uh, you know, people using uh, generative AI to design a bridge uh, or, or things like that. So I think that's, um, you know, that's where the effort should be 
and educating people uh, as to uh, you know when generative AI is appropriate and and when it's 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 definitely not, mm. and being quite transparent about that. I mean, in our um, in in Becca, the business I'm, I'm part of, we're we're looking at um, disclaimers in our reports uh, that will say, uh, uh, well, you know, have we used generative AI uh, in creating this report, uh, and if we have, you know, what models have we used? Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's important because if you're a client who doesn't who for some reason has a you know a complete aversion to uh, AI, um, you know, then you'll be at, at least be aware of it, or mm. at least start that conversation um, around you know wasn't an appropriate use of AI. Certainly, the judge in that case in the US is is asking the same thing of all lawyers who stand in front of that judge. <laughs> Have you used generative AI in presenting your briefs? Right. So I, I see that the attribution really is is an early stage uh, way of perhaps resolving that that black box problem. Self serving question, of course, Matt, um, being a lawyer, but do you think regulation can help? Absolutely, I think it needs the legal profession's best minds actually um, uh, put to this. So the you know all the all of the and I get really excited about generative AI because I can see the massive um, benefits it will have you know, across society, business and, and the like. Uh, but there's always the opposite. Uh, and I think, um, you know, regulations certainly have to change uh, from being, um, you know, you set them up and, uh, you know, review them every every six months. Uh, I've seen some excellent work coming out of um, the EU and mm. the UK on yep. this. Yep. Uh, but I think there's no, there are, there are no digital, digital borders, uh, mm. really. Uh, especially for New Zealand. So, um, you know, so much of the technology and APIs and things that we use come in uh, from offshore. So I do think it's important that we're part of a global uh, regulation. We don't try and make it up uh, just for ourselves. I think, you know, the resources to keep in, in on top of uh, what rules are required, for example, mm. uh, we, you know, we need, to, we need to take advantage of the scale of uh, particularly Europe and Australia. One of the... European uh, regulatory processes that's undergoing at the moment is uh, a piece of legislation which is seeking to reverse the onus of proof onto the developers of AI. So if you as an individual in Europe feel you have been harmed by an output of AI, uh, it is on the producer, the developer of the AI product or the vendor of the AI product to prove that their AI product hadn't harmed you. It's a really interesting guardrail because it does mean those putting stuff out need to be very, very careful and potentially liable for their output. What do you think of that as an approach? So, I mean, this is great for those people who wrote the letter saying, you know, can we stop development of, HR, of AI? Mm. Uh, I, I, it's a very high bar. Um, and so if, if, uh, you know, if it continues the way it is, I think you'll see a lot of risk-averse behavior mm. um, by organizations with, uh, with generative AI. Um, yeah, I think it will be interest, interesting to watch. Uh, society always has a, there's always a bit of a buffer against change, um, mm. and uh, it may well be you know, this is the uh, this is the thing that slows down uh, the development of the rollout of, of um, AI. Now, next question. It, it seems to be evolving incredibly quickly. Um, who is leading the development? And you've mentioned OpenAI, obviously they're, they're one of them, but, but who is, who's leading the development in generative AI to your mind? Yeah, so certainly not a monopoly. Um, all of the large uh, firms have created their own models. Um, 
you know, they might not have the brand awareness, but um, you know, Meta's has Llama, uh, mm-hmm. IBM's just released Watson X. Um, so there's a whole lot of uh, development um, typically occurring in, in parallel. Yep. Uh, so OpenAI have their own uh, algorithms and IP, um, and so you'll see that you know, some people say uh, GPT is much better than BARD, uh, but in <laughs> some cases BARD might be much better than uh, than GPT. Mm. I think the, uh, and I often get asked about, you know, what my view is on the letter that was written uh, saying that we should halt yep. development mm-hmm. beyond uh, GPT-4. Um, and I um, I certainly uh, had a look uh, to see what they were saying and, and read and listened to a lot of people who had signed the letter. Uh, and um, what was interesting about that letter is that, is that the people uh, who had signed it knew what they were talking about. Uh, so what they were saying is that development is occurring so quickly uh, that uh, we're just not sure. You know, the world is complex. We're just not sure what the uh, what the implications would be. I mean, it was directed towards GPT four, which I think was the you know the fastest developing model uh, at the time. Mm. Uh, but you could argue it applies uh, equally um, to other things. Um, but there are some. Uh, when I have a friend who's a philosopher, mm. uh, and he he delights when he tells me that you know philosophers have spent hundreds of years not agreeing on ethical decisions. You know, is this ethical or not? Mm. And he says engineers uh, have a habit of just doing stuff. So OpenAI uh, just gave GPT-4 the ability to write code uh, and to execute the code. Mm. Now that's a massive ethical step, basically giving uh, GPT-4 the ability to uh, create and execute, um, you know, put that into a robot and see what happens. Mm. Um, so. So I certainly think there is, uh, there is a, it's, it's quite rational uh, to be scared about uh, what the implications might be of, this, of these technologies uh, developing quickly. Matt, clearly it costs a huge amount of money to create one of these large language models. Um, and so there obviously is a risk that only those who can afford to create it uh, will be able to effectively position themselves as a monopoly and only those who can afford to consume it at an enterprise level uh, will, will take a, a substantial position against perhaps those who can't afford uh, the models as well. So how do you see effectively a, almost like a can we democratize AI in a way that everyone gets equal access? Yeah so this this is a real issue. Um, uh, I often say you know, that the, the person who has, has the best AI uh, will win um, simply because it's very hard to catch up uh, if you have an algorithm that's not or a model that's not so good, uh, and the other person is to, keeps on developing their algorithm, you you probably will never catch up. Mm. So we might get into a position a bit like we had with Amazon, you know, that a lot of um, small uh, organisations or um, specialists uh, you won't be able to compete um, with the AI, uh, and then everyone will start using this uh, same AI. And I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Um, certainly, if it's unchecked, you'll end up with massive wealth mm. moving to the owners of this um, this particular uh, generative AI. Mm. Uh, now you're getting into sort of market dynamics there, mm. but maybe there is a case uh, for limiting uh, monopolization uh, with AI. You founded a company using generative AI, frankly AI, so you're eminently qualified to see its potential and I guess its limitations. What are your thoughts based on your experience with just how far can this technology reach? Yeah, so the, the foundation of Frankly AI was to look at the risks that organizations see uh, and try and break down each of those risks. So, you know, we came up with about seven 
uh, seven different risks that will stop uh, organisations or schools um, implementing, frankly, AI. Mm. Uh, probably the biggest risk uh, is privacy and confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at the beginning, and in fact right now, you know, if you if you type stuff into a chat GPT, uh, into a browser, you know, that, that can be used in all kinds of, um, all kinds of uh, different ways. Mm. Uh, so we've, um, so for us, it's privacy first. Uh, and so I think that's a, uh, that's a key element of where, uh, where AI will be going. I think, um, you know, AI can be quite, uh, can be quite complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so what we say is, you know, AI, you shouldn't have to have any training at all to use generative AI. Um, you know, if you can talk to your colleague at work, that, that's the training that you should have. So what we've done is we've built Frankly AI into Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so literally, if you can have a chat in Microsoft Teams with, with your colleague, uh, you can have a chat with, uh, with Frankly. Uh, and so we've had um, great uptake. Uh, it's interesting, if we, if we put it as a chatbot, uh, we would have had, you know, maybe 50 people uh, who really got into it. Um, at, at Becker, we've released uh, Frankly AI for Teams, and we, we've just passed 100,000 messages that have been sent. Uh, with using that using that tool, so uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tool that um, I think needs to be uh, trusted, and to do that, you need to kind of use a trusted approach to how how people uh, how people access it. I think the technology uh, the, the technology has a, a, a people misunderstand. I think it, it's not like the industrial revolution. It's not like the agricultural revolution. You know, this technology is replacing knowledge work. It's not replacing physical work. Mm. Uh, and so it's got a long way to go. I've, you know, someone uh, was listening to a, another podcast last night said it's a bit like an amoeba when you think of the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took humans billions of years to develop. Uh, uh, but when you think about ChatGPT as an amoeba, you know, it might only take years or a decade for it to develop into something, you know, very sophisticated. Uh, so I think... Yeah, we're, we're, we're right at the beginning, but there are some common themes that will continue throughout uh, uh, the use of AI around um, trust, privacy, uh, and all those sort of things. Matt, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for your insight and your expertise. This has been a fascinating conversation, which I've enjoyed immeasurably. Thank you again for coming along to the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Tom. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to rate, review or follow the Tech Suite wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to receive new episodes directly in your inbox via our website at minterallison.co.nz.